from the unreal to the real lead us from darkness unto light lead us from death to immortality om peace 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 so in these sessions ask swami sessions we take questions which have been sent in to us from virtually every corner of the world and there are so many questions we have a dedicated team of volunteers who select um, the questions compile them put them together and classify and present it to me and i shorten the list further <laughs> to the disappointment inevitable disappointment of large numbers of people sometimes it's not because um the questions are not important the questions are all good uh, sometimes i feel for example it's a very good question yet it's subtle and it cannot really be explained in one shot it it would be much easier if the person were present you know then we could have a conversation and then it clarifies matters so sometimes very good but very subtle questions have to be unfortunately set aside but be that as it may we have a set of questions today and cordelia is going to ask the questions yes she'll put the questions to me and i really don't know if you'll have time for questions from the audience here but is there any would you like to ask a question you have any questions see will you have time at the end let's do let maybe half a dozen questions from the internet audience and then we will see if anybody has questions here we haven't done questions from this audience physical audience for a long time yes all right Swamiji the first question is from Lisa Cherian from Kerala she asks Brahman is beyond the body mind complex if realization occurs in the mind how can it be a true experience since the mind itself is false or mithya hmm. yes you need to consider this carefully when you have an experience when you have an understanding in the mind often that understanding refers to things beyond the mind so for example um let me give another example an example would be i say i am happy when i'm saying i am happy i'm saying it with the tongue and the voice box and the uh, lungs the entire vocal apparatus so the basically the tongue is saying i am happy but it doesn't refer to the tongue the happiness is in the mind the expression is in the tongue the vocal apparatus it expresses the sentiment it speaks out aloud the sentence i am happy but what does it mean who is happy here where is the happiness it's all in the mind obviously the mind cannot speak aloud it uses that instrument to speak the happiness refers to something beyond the tongue and th- and that's right speech works like that speech works about things other than itself similarly understanding in the mind about the self i am brahman for example it refers to something certainly beyond the mind but the mind can point to something beyond the mind ignorance about myself resides in the mind and the knowledge to remove that ignorance must also come in the mind another point 
where else can realization come see realization in the mind mind is as uh, an appearance it is part of the world it is therefore mithya or false an appearance how can a realization in the mind uh, point to brahman or, or you know reveal brahman why not where can realization occur can it occur in the body no can it occur in brahman the absolute reality no it can only actually occur in the mind knowledge comes in the mind ignorance is in the mind knowledge in the mind removes ignorance in the mind therefore realization can occur only in the mind upanishad says this manasai vanudrashtavyam by the mind alone it is to be realized now then what do you mean it's beyond the mind in what sense it is that which illumines the mind and reveals knowledge and ignorance in the mind so what basically the mind does is when we study vedanta when we focus on it we try to understand it meditate upon it and we make the breakthrough we get it that getting it is definitely in the mind uh, it removes the ignorance in the mind which made us think that we are body mind that is removed brahman is self revealed uh, not that brahman is revealed at that moment but brahman is always self revealed and uh, that self revealed brahman is now obvious again to me i realize i am brahman and that understanding is also in the mind so realization takes place in the mind where else will it be uh, knowledge in the mind can refer to something beyond the mind just as speech in the tongue refers to something beyond the tongue uh, and you are right any realization in the mind cannot actually reveal brahman because brahman is self revealed by removing the ignorance uh, brahman is uh, revealed Uh, but the ignorance has to be removed for that knowledge is required and for that mind is required so you see this this is uh, the technical aspect of that has been clearly discussed in the vedanta sar discussions those who have um, attended those classes you just look up the two technical terms vritti vyapti and phala vyapti in terms of so those are technical terms but they sum up a lot of conceptual apparatus uh, in terms of those um, uh, in that paradigm vritti vyapti which is in the mind it removes ignorance and phala vyapti which is also in the mind the reflected consciousness illumining something that is not required because brahman uh, shines forth that's how knowledge in the mind realization self realization is different from other other kinds of knowledge in the mind okay amit sharma asks if i am pure consciousness who is getting manifested through the body and mind and if the world is just an appearance brahma satyam jagat mithya then why do i come across unwanted situations which i never have imagined for example the present covid situation across the world i have never heard thought or imagined such a thing ever then why has it come into my appearance If the world is just an appearance then who are the people around me like my wife father mother brother are they also just an appearance if you, if yes then the same is true for them as well what is the truth in this case how can i understand this concept in a deeper sense please guide me swami ji yes mm. if i am pure consciousness you see at the beginning what does he say if i i understand that he says if i am pure consciousness if i am pure consciousness 
in the world is an appearance how does how do unwanted situations like the covid thing which is unwanted i never wanted this um i could have never imagined this how did all this appear in me notice the transition you have made from i as pure consciousness as and to the i who might be imagining or experiencing covid you have shifted the i is very important in case of many case uh, such questions what is generally happening is we give an assent to the proposition i am pure consciousness i am pure consciousness fine but why do i feel misery when my children disobey me children of pure consciousness disobeying pure consciousness notice you have already made the shift shift to what from i as awareness only to i as this person body mind and and as long as you are this person from the if you take this person to be real i am this person then the world is real then um, uh, wife uh, father mother brother they are real and covid is also real the moment you take one part of the dream to be real it's that then the rest of the dream also you must take it to be equally real at least we made a shift unwanted how can i imagine something that is unwanted why do i come across an unwanted situation if it is an appearance in me see the underlying thought is so are you saying that is vedanta saying i am imagining all this this vedanta this uh, universe no vedanta is not saying that first of all let me just say unwanted situations come in dreams also and you don't doubt for one moment that the dreams are all your own imaginations dreams are our imaginations the mind projects these dreams and in these dreams don't un- don't we come across unwanted situations most of the dreams are unpleasant uh, because they often reflect our anxieties and fears in the waking state they that generates these dreams therefore a lot of unpleasant things come which we don't want and yet we are imagining that anyway that's just an example but my main point is the moment i say here in the world there are so many things i have never imagined i'm coming across them so many extraordinary things are there i am talking as an individual being then but vedanta never says that this world is the imagination of um, you know one individual that you the person amit sharma you amit, amit sharma are are the source of this universe no that is beyond megalomania mm-hmm. no not in that sense you amit sharma have very little control over your own dreams also <laughs> and this entire universe so from that perspective you can understand it as universe being a dream of god for example that's one paradigm in which to understand um if i cannot break out of my limited individuality i am this person amit sharma then there is a cosmos before me i must accept that there is this physical universe then vedanta will say that there is a cause of this physical universe and that cause is consciousness plus maya that is called ishwara or god and and this universe is a projection of that cause you can call it a dream of god if you want to be poetical but it's a projection of that cause and i am an individual in that also but you started by saying 
I am pure consciousness. If I am pure consciousness, then please grant that you are pure consciousness. In awareness, is it not true? Everything arises in that awareness. In awareness, the mind, which you call the mind of Amit Sharma, arises. The sensory system of Amit Sharma arises, which ex experiences the body, and through the body, you're experiencing the world. Yet, all of it is in that consciousness. So imagine. If that consciousness which you are were to be switched off, if it's not possible, suddenly switched off. From that perspective, the entire universe, including COVID, wanted, unwanted situations, everything would disappear in a flash. So that is what is meant when they say that um, Brahman is pure consciousness. You are that pure consciousness. The entire universe appears in that pure consciousness. It does not mean, as we, are, we sometimes take it to mean that uh, then I'm, is it true that I am sitting here and imagining or drawing out a blueprint of the universe and imagining it, it and imagining it into existence? No, not I as the individual. I as the individual also have popped up in that pure consciousness, which is my real self. Yeah. So the crucial answer, if you want to take away the essence of what I am saying, is examine whether I am shifting the I. And most cases we are shifting dying. We are generally so rooted in this body-mind identity that after giving assent to I am Brahman, then we shift back immediately into the body-mind mode and then we say, why do I have all these problems if I am Brahman? What about then uh, who are my wife, father, mother, brother? They are your wife, father, mother, brother. Who else can they be? And you are seeing your Brahman... But yes, but the moment I take this much as real, I am this person, Sarva Priyanam, Dwaramit Sharma. After that, if I say, wife, father, mother, brother are unreal, you're asking for trouble. If I accept this much as reality, well, I've already accepted. The moment I say wife, father, mother, then you're already in the Amit Sharma identity. Brahman doesn't have Mrs. Brahman, uh, <laughs> then uh, there is father Brahman, mother Brahman. No. Uh, all of this would be an appearance in Brahman. But as this person, uh, then all the identities become, the, all the relationships also become equally real. As when I take myself to be a person, I cannot dismiss this world as a dream. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Abhyakta hi gatir dukham devapyate. The unmanifest uh, reality that means pure consciousness, the, the impersonal reality, that is very difficult to to assimilate to realize if we are strongly identified with the body. Dehavat means with body, but then everybody there is a body. For an enlightened person, also at least from our perspective, there is a body. But are we deeply rooted in this body idea? This is who I am. Then the impersonal consciousness that I am pure consciousness is difficult to uh, realize. From the impersonal perspective, um, Amit Sharma and wife and father and mother, brother, all are appearances and you are the one consciousness behind all of them. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Maushimi from India asks, Pranam Maharaj, my question is about Aham Brahmasmi. This says, that the very nature of I is consciousness. This I, the pure consciousness, 
gets reflected in the mind of the subtle body and in ignorance becomes i the ego and the, and then starts all the worldly problems this i the ego generates the illusion of me and mine and desires anger and sufferings emerge thus this ego i sets the wheel of karma in motion is my understanding correct mm-hmm. yes yes <laughs> the, yes more or less you've got you've got it right uh, the first sentence which you said this i is pure consciousness uh, the i yes so the understanding is correct the paradigm is right you've got the structure right essentially so one may change a little word here and there that does not matter what one must do now is having got your framework right try to trace it back in your own experience do you know that the ego you have you already said it the ego which i experience right now the feeling of i is actually a composite there is as as um, she has written there is the mind there and the reflected consciousness there and the reflected consciousness is not separable from the original the pure consciousness brahman so if you trace it back how do you trace it back use any of the procedures we have talked about in vedanta like drig drishya viveka uh, start with an object outside i am seeing that object from that object come from the awareness of the object come to the awareness of the eyes which are seeing from the awareness of the awareness of the eye means just just be aware of it from the awareness of the eye track it back to the mind which is considering or uh, paying attention to the eyes from the thought in the mind go back to that which is aware of the thought in this way realize that i am that witness consciousness that impersonal awareness then use the mind the intellect itself to consider the nature of this impersonal awareness note that it is not a body so it cannot be fat or thin it cannot be uh, a baby or a middle aged person old person it it is not subject to the uh, the illnesses and the, the pains and aches of the body um, it is not a mind it's not subject to the ups and downs of the mind the pleasures and pains the frustrations anger misery of the mind and so on notice how it is free of all what i consider to be my problems and yet i have said i am that so i am that which is free from all the problems which i considered to be my problems in this way notice that that i the pure consciousness i is free of suffering so this is the cessation of suffering note it not just as a possible intellectual conclusion but as a fact it must be so from that perspective also consider how that that impersonal consciousness has no wants it is fulfilled wants arise at the level of the mind but that which is the witness of the mind which is not colored by the mind which illumines the mind mind's wants and the mind's uh, fulfillment or frustration that one is neither does it want anything nor is does it need fulfillment nor does it ever have frustration it is ever fulfilled in that sense so that is the achievement of anand or purnatvam fulfillment completion that one what one can do after getting this clear uh, as this person has and then track it back in experience um do it again and again the way you read it in vedantic texts 
you will see that the advice seems to be that you track it back and then remain immersed in samadhi and that it, it's very difficult for most of us when the mind is not trained what we can do is if we cannot become immersed in that thing but we get an insight into it if you have got an insight keep repeating that insight short bursts of insight that much we can all do all means those who are at the this level of understanding without understanding that insight practice is also not possible so repeat that again and again in short bursts So this is a long question Swamiji. Ramachandran Balaji asks, Dear Swamiji, it has become clear to me that individual consciousness is the fundamental substratum of every human being. However, I am unable to make the leap towards the notion that there is a larger universal consciousness of which this is but a reflection. and all your explanations including of words being able to confer direct knowledge sometimes as in the case of the 10th man story do not enable the understanding of that link your explanation of vidyaranya's subtle word based proof of the that in that thou art is tremendously circular reasoning you first have to believe in it to accept the reasoning and that cannot be done without direct experience the link between the individual consciousness and the universal consciousness is to be understood beyond any more questioning either by logic or by direct experience every route of exploration stops at the border of the individual unalloyed consciousness that gold But just because every human being is gold it does not automatically mean that there is one universal gold and not many gold pieces all made of exactly the same base substrate so to say but all separate I have reached a spiritual dead end sir please help Yeah it's a good question actually um the basic question is the link between um our individual awareness and as he says universal consciousness universal awareness these words itself they create confusion after some time mm-hmm. um the first sentence which he wrote which balaji wrote that i am convinced that um pure consciousness is the sub- substrate the fundamental substrate of all all human being this is the fundamental substratum of every human being individual consciousness is the fundamental substratum of every, every human being i am convinced he says now what i would say is that pay attention to that conviction if you are clear and convinced about that notice that using individual consciousness but notice the nature of that the moment you say consciousness is the fundamental substrate of each human being notice what a big leap you have made what a big uh, progress or ad, uh, advance you have made over common sense idea of um, human beings you know for example medical science what does medical science if you say fundamental substrate of every human being what would uh, a doctor say what would a physician say what would a biologist say which is a fundamental substrate of every human being fill up the blanks it's it's the body why 
because the idea is you know is consciousness balaji says consciousness individual consciousness is the fundamental substrate of every human being the doctor or the biologist would say no why because consciousness is a product of the brain the brain is a part of the body and the body with, without the body there's no consciousness without consciousness there is the body that is the materialistic reductionist approach and that's common sense that's the, that's the common knowledge at least right now um when you say consciousness is the fundamental substrate of uh, every human being notice what a big jump you've already made what you are already saying is that if consciousness is my fundamental substrate that means my re- fundamental reality is consciousness not the body which means um i am not the body i am consciousness and if it's fundamental then the consciousness can exist without the body you've come to this point i am not the body i exist without the body therefore i am independent of the body all of that follows from that sentence i am convinced that the individual that the uh, individual consciousness is the fundamental substrate of the human being of every human being therefore this consciousness which i am is not dependent on the body it's not a product of the brain or of the of the body this is the position you've already accepted what i would recommend is then notice the nature of this individual consciousness this so called what you are calling individual consciousness is it born with the birth of the body can't be because it's not the body does it age with the aging of the body can't be it can be a witness of the aging of the body it can be affected by it can it can feel that it's somehow limited by the aging of the body but it's not aging with the aging of the body will it die with the death of the body that's ridiculous if it's not it's not independent of the body why should it suddenly decide that the body is dying i should also die no it will be the witness of the death of the body so this consciousness is immortal if you say consciousness is the fundamental substrate then this consciousness must be immortal it is a, it is aware of the similarly of the mind it is independent of the the continuous ebb and flow of the mind of the emotions of ideas of memory of personality of the sense of loss um, anger guilt all of these are in the mind and the consciousness is that which is aware of them but independent of them just as just as um if the body is fat does consciousness become fat for example let's take an external thing this is a clock i am aware of the clock does this awareness become a clock this is ridiculous awareness reveals a clock then i am aware of the body careful here does awareness is the awareness the body no it reveals the body just as awareness of the clock does not make awareness a clock similarly awareness of the body does not make awareness the body itself awareness of the contents of the mind does not make awareness the mind itself so awareness is independent of body external world body mind what a huge thing the miseries and the anxieties and the fears of the mind they are all revealed by consciousness by awareness just as this clock is revealed but the awareness is not miserable or um, ang- anxious or fearful so we have got this an awareness consciousness which is immortal which is free of these miseries and sufferings and limitations of the mind and reveals them but it's not colored by them like the vast blue sky in which various clouds float come disappear similarly the awareness is this this space 
In fact, it's considered as a space in Vedanta called Chidakasha, the space of awareness, in which various kinds of constellations of thoughts, feelings, emotions, which we call a personality, floats up and then dissipates. And you have said that that is the fundamental frustrate, that means the substrate, that means you are that. Balaji is that fundamental substrate, uh, that's, that's my real nature. Now, why do you call this impersonal awareness individual? Whatever is individual in Balaji, is it not the body? Is it not the mind and the personality in the mind? Personality which the mind constitutes? That is individual. What do I mean by an individual? That which is separate from everybody else. Is the body individual? Surely, I can see so many different bodies here. The bodies are different. I can clearly experience it. Is the mind individual? Surely, I have this intuition that my thoughts, feelings, emotions in this mind are different from the thoughts, feelings, emotions, knowledge in those minds. Clearly, minds are different. Bodies are different as far as we know. So the distinctions between us lies in the body-mind. Does any distinction lie in consciousness? Consciousness like light. Light reveals the whatever is here. There is a microphone, there are cables, there is a mask, there is a table and there is a clock. The light which reveals clock, uh, mask, microphone, there, is the light different? Is the light which reveals clock a kind of clock light, uh, reveals a mask kind of mask light, microphone light? No, it's the same light. These microphone, mask and uh, clock are individual. They are quite different from each other. But the light which shines upon them and reveals all of them impartially, it is not individual. It is not personal. It's quite impersonal. Isn't awareness by itself? It's saying the um, individual consciousness, that the consciousness by itself, how is it individual? You know why we call it individual? Because somewhere deep inside, we identify the consciousness with the body and the mind. It's almost as if I'm the light which is falling on the table, I'm identifying it with the clock and feeling the um, clock light, mask light, um, microphone light. No. Considered apart from the objects illumined, the light is one and the same, homogeneous. Why is consciousness individual? Because we, tied, we, we are unable to separate it very clearly from body-mind. That's why it feels individual. Consider another approach. I, the awareness, I feel very, very distinct from everybody else here in the waking state. Because it all seems very different from me. In my dream state also I feel the consciousness is very different. Uh, because my dreams are different from your dreams. But consider the deep sleep state. The consciousness which reveals the blankness, the uniform blankness in my deep sleep. In everybody's deep sleep, the experience is exactly the same. Every man, woman, child, every animal, even insect, I heard even they have deep sleep. So if they have deep sleep in every case, the man, woman, child, um, animal, insect, those individualities are erased in deep sleep. The awareness that shines upon that uniform blankness, is it different than if the experiences are the same, how can even the awareness, be, uh, how can the awareness itself become different?
from the deep sleep perspective notice since the deep sleep experience is same for everybody there is no reason to suppose that the awareness differs in any way in any any in any in any one of us the gold can talk about gold pieces different pieces of gold can you talk about pieces of consciousness that example he gave gold pieces but can you talk about pieces of consciousness gold is a physical substance you can cut it into physical pieces the consciousness if you consider the mind even the mind it is very strange to think about pieces of the mind you can have various thoughts in the mind but can you actually mix physical slices of the mind you can't because the mind is not a physical thing it's a subtle entity be consciousness is even beyond that is it possible to make pieces of consciousness and say different individual consciousnesses there is no way of distinguishing consciousness from one person to another person to another person in sentient beings you can distinguish bodies bodies are individual minds are also individual though in vedanta we have a co- concept of an underlying cosmic body and underlying cosmic mind where they are all united but beyond that in consciousness there is no way actually of distinguishing individual consciousnesses that is not to say that the question is not a deep and good one because it's a very profound question because this is at the point where sankhya and advaita differ sankhya does talk about individual consciousnesses separate purushas i'll make two more points and then move on one is he says sir my spiritual life is at a dead end please help me why he said that He hmm? said um at the end he said i have reached a spiritual dead end yes. please help i have reached a spiritual dead end why should it be a dead end when you say that individual consciousness is the fundamental substrate of balaji that means i am that in that consciousness you call it individual consciousness also but i just showed you that so called individual consciousness being free from the body of balaji is immortal does not is not born with the birth of balaji does not die with the birth death of the body of balaji because it is free and the illuminer and the witness of the mind which balaji calls his own mind then it is free of the ups and downs the miseries the uh, the unhappinesses the frustrations of that mind that consciousness is free that consciousness is is transcends the sufferings of the body mind that itself is a wonderful uh, attainment in spiritual life why is spiritual life at a dead end not at all if i consider consciousness to be my fundamental substrate your con- spiritual life is not at a dead end you have reached a pretty pretty good place i would say it is it is the culmination of sankhya so this is the first point i want to make if you really consider my only problem is i don't know how to understand that individual consciousness is same as cosmic consciousness if you drop the word individual and cosmic you'll see they are the same <laughs> it's the words which are creating the trouble but anyway if it if my only problem is i know i am pure consciousness but i feel it there's an individual consciousness and there's a cosmic consciousness and i don't know how they are the same well we'll deal with that problem later but first of all consider what you have already got you have already achieved enlightenment according to sankhya yeah. and that enlightenment is immortality it is free from suffering it is it is beyond death and disease as that substrate consciousness so it's not a dead end if you are honestly convinced about that 
and you try to make it a living reality for yourself it is enlightenment it is what sankhya calls kaivalya the alone the supreme aloneness consciousness itself in sanskrit in in, in sankhya it is called purusha pure consciousness now the question remains that are these purushas are there many many pure consciousnesses in each individuality there is one pure consciousness so there are many individual beings there must be many individual consciousnesses which is what he feels and there is some kind of cosmic consciousness and how are they one and the same which advaita says just follow the track which i gave that why is this consciousness individual sankhya gives many arguments it sticks to its position the no no how can uh, consciousness be one then the birth of one would be the birth of everybody the death of one would be the death of everybody but you can Im- easily answer those questions the birth is the birth of the body death is the death of the body you have said your consciousness why do you think the birth of the body is your birth why do you think the death of the body is your death second uh, uh argument for example there are five major arguments given by sankhya but all of them can be dismissed in this way you will see each of the arguments takes holds of something in the body mind not in consciousness itself uh, the when one is awake everybody would awake if you are all the same consciousness one falls asleep everybody would fall asleep that's sort of what happens in vedanta talks <laughs> everybody falls asleep now but again that's not true when one is sleeping and another is awake what is sleeping and what is awake the mind there has the consciousness fallen what what would it even mean for consciousness to fall asleep we understand what is the meaning of the mind for going to sleep the body also undergoes phys- physiological changes when the mind is asleep but what do you mean by consciousness being asleep if we feel our consciousness being asleep or awake then you have not distinguished between mind and consciousness yet if it, consciousness is ever awake it's like saying the day and night on the sun we have day and night here but in the sun itself where is day and where is night it's just blazing illumination all the time you can at the most say that it is eternal day there consciousness is eternally awake there's no question of it is going to sleep so one will be awake one will be asleep then the consciousness must be different this sankhya argument does not hold good another sankhya argument how can consciousness be the same if one person becomes illumined everybody will become illumined if one person is in ignorance everybody will be in ignorance not true again ignorance and illumination enlightenment that's in the mind in the individual mind guru is enlightened does not mean that uh, necessarily it would be a good thing that the guru is enlightened then we all disciples will also become uh, enlightened we'll get the uh, benefit of <laughs> but unfortunately doesn't work that way because the difference is in the mind but difference is not in consciousness so every argument which um, uh, sankhya puts up is pretty easily dismissed by uh, vedanta and therefore sri krishna says kshetragyam chaapi maam vidhi sarvakshetreshu bharat in the 13th chapter of the bhagavad gita says no me o arjuna to be the one consciousness in all of these beings no individual consciousnesses he says that that which is the witness of the body mind know that you are that fine immediately arjuna will have the same question as balaji so i am this but in duryodhana in bhishma in karna in my brothers uh, in all of them their bodies and minds they must be separated no separate knowers of the body mind immediately krishna says the knower of the body mind in all bodies and minds is one and i am that 
That is the idea of God in Vedanta. One consciousness shining through all bodies and minds. Um, so this is the argument. Advaita Vedanta goes even further, but we will not touch that. The even further means, all right, we are one consciousness. But what about these bodies? You have admitted bodies are many, minds are many, and the world has millions of entities. This whole variegated pluralistic world is an appearance in one consciousness. Essentially not different from consciousness. That will be the completion of non-duality. Because before that, there is still duality. All right, we'll leave it there. The next question. Uma Kambampati asks, I'm currently listening to Vedanta Sara. In the last lecture, you explained how existence and consciousness are one and the same. Please, can you extend this to bliss as well? How is bliss the same as existence and consciousness? Hmm. What is bliss? First of all, I'm sure she's got the right idea, but it's important to uh, repeat this again and again. When we talk about existence, consciousness, bliss, take one, existence. We don't actually mean existing things. The moment um, we say existence, what comes to our mind? Oh, the table is an existing thing. Table exists, uh, clock exists, man exists, woman exists, even space exists. These are existing things. Even uh, sort of abstract entities like numbers, in some sense they exist. They're existing things. But when you say existence, we're talking about uh, existence itself, which appears as existing things. When I say water, I don't mean a particular wave or even all particular waves. I mean that reality which appears as waves and foam and uh, surf and bubbles. So I mean existence itself, not things which exist. So I get it. So similarly, when we say consciousness, I don't mean conscious experiences, uh, happiness, pleasure, knowing something, seeing, smelling, touching, uh, eating, drinking, thinking, understanding, loving, hating. These are all experiences illumined by consciousness. But consciousness is one and the same and unchanging. So we mean the consciousness itself. Not particular conscious experiences. We mean existence itself. Not particular existing things. Now coming to bliss. This question. When we say bliss or ananda. We mean bliss itself. Ananda itself. Not particular feelings of happiness. The moment you say bliss. Immediately. Unthinkingly. It's a nice feeling. We think of a smiley face. Now. Are there two different are particular feelings of bliss different from bliss itself? Are existing things different from existence itself? Are conscious experience different from consciousness itself? No. Just as waves are not different from water, ornaments are not different from gold, the things which exist in this world or appear to exist, they are not different from existence. Existence appears as those things. All our conscious experiences are made possible by consciousness, by the illumination granted by consciousness. All that we consider happiness and fulfillment is made possible because of bliss or ananda. Alright, so this is what first thing. What is the point here? Don't immediately think when you say bliss, it is some kind of nice feeling. The world gives me some nice feelings. Uh, if I meditate and I am peaceful, it gives me some nice feeling and ultimately enlightenment will give me an even nicer feeling. That nicer feeling must be bliss. No. 
but those nice feelings are not separate from bliss they are made possible by because of that bliss now what is that bliss and how is it the same as existence consciousness to give you an answer in one straight sentence worth contemplating upon the unlimitedness of that existence consciousness is bliss i will repeat again worth repeating the very unlimitedness of that existence consciousness is bliss ananda is ananta ananda bliss ananta infinitude when i realize my own infinitude as what infinite what infinite existence infinite awareness and infinite here means unlimitedness when that is realized that fullness that completeness that purnatvam that itself is ananda where did you get that if you ask please you know justify on the basis of the upanishads chandogya upanishad says yo vai bhuma tat sukham nal pe sukham asti that which is the infinite the vast that itself is happiness there is no real happiness in the limited there is no real happiness in the limited notice how our demand for happiness is never fulfilled no matter how much money you get how much money you get i don't know if i should say this this gentleman okay i will not name him this gentleman who is now the richest person in the world just now and some people who know him very closely and they told they told me that um whatever he does the plain and quite obvious uh, message there is uh, or the motive there is how will this get me more money hmm. so the richest person in the world whose uh, individual value is what 188 billion dollars something like that the that person is still continuous day and night the project is increase more 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 as i am interested in any project but which will um, give me back many times the return of which i put into it not satisfied whether it is Uh, money or pleasure seeking or name and fame or achievement power there is no limit to what we want why it seems a horrible thing but actually it points to something very wonderful in our nature it's because our nature is infinite uh, bliss this this completion that completion is not possible with money power name and fame appreciation in the world outside we are trying to fill um in the words of the poet a god shaped hole with something which is not god shaped only the infinite can fill an infinite hole and that infinitude is available to us that's our very nature um so that infinitude is bliss what infinitude is it is exactly existence consciousness but what existence consciousness not an existing thing not a conscious experience it is the underlying unlimited existence consciousness underlying all existing things and all conscious experiences when you realize that i am that you realize you are unlimited that itself is bliss now a question might still arise that sounds awfully abstract swami the underlying demand here is the unspoken demand here is 
after i realize these things will i really be happy i mean i want that feeling of happiness i understand a feeling of happiness is not the uh, absolute bliss itself but that will that feeling be there or not don't worry it will be there and oodles of it <laughs> unlimited uh, you you will have lots of smiley faces proof look at the lives of the saints in every tradition are they joyous or not yes like saint teresa said a sad nun is a bad nun <laughs> in spiritual life you will get happiness sri ramakrishna talks about vishayananda bhajanananda brahmananda vishayananda is the joy that you get with contact with things of the world anything in the world you know, from a cookie to a nobel prize winning work in sciences anything in the world it gives you some joy and that's what where most people are stuck but a greater joy awaits those who take to spiritual life that is called bhajanananda the the joy of spiritual practice of of meditation of prayer of uh, divine music of contemplation of uh, dispassion vive vairagya of the um, uh, of the discernment of the of the inf- of the eternal from the non eternal of devotion to god and the love of god all of them give a purer and happier joy than the vishayananda things of the world and even higher is what you are asking brahmananda even higher than the joys which you get in the course of spiritual life is that ultimate bliss which is not a type of bliss but it is bliss itself vivekananda put it this way not that it is absolute not that it exists it is existence itself not that it knows it is knowledge itself by which he means pure consciousness not that it is happy it is happiness itself that is the meaning of bliss yeah subhajit haldar asks if brahman through maya becomes god then how come surrender to god leads to moksha the idea here is if something comes through maya it is under the domain of maya it is false it is bound this is i think the idea behind the question if brahman through maya becomes god what is the point of uh, surrendering to god because god is also in maya no two points here first remember maya has two aspects ram krishna would uh, never tire of repeating it vidya maya and avidya maya so what is avidya maya avidya maya the maya of ignorance is that which plunges us in worldliness greed and lust and anger and uh, jealousy hatred um, fear anxiety grasping onto this little uh, life and somehow desperation all of this is worldliness it comes from uh, avidya maya me and mine and trying to hold on to that much vidya maya is um, viveka vairagya bhakti love of god faith in god devotion the uh, the clarity that there is an uh, eternal reality the world is non eternal and this eternal reality this is all vidya maya vidya maya takes you to enlightenment frees you from samsara avidya maya embroils us in samsara more and more and both are maya right? both are maya now what about god so in advaita vedanta where this question comes from is in advaita vedanta the absolute reality brahman existence consciousness bliss 
is what we call the god of religion when it is associated with maya but when you say associated with maya it does not mean under the domain of maya just because something is associated with maya to be an individual or to appear any way within samsara it is you have to be associated it, it sri ramakrishna used to say this is the field the kingdom of maya the uh, the 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 arena of maya just because something is associated with maya does not mean it is trapped in bondage or limited those who are enlightened the masters who teach a spiritual life are they not within maya isn't the body part of maya even the individuality of the teacher is part of maya true but they are free and by taking refuge in them by taking their help we also attain to enlightenment and freedom through maya beyond maya if that is so of ordinary enlight ordinary within courts ordinary enlightened beings how much so then god god is nothing other than that absolute reality plus maya the maya is the power of god for us it may be bondage so sri ramakrishna explained as the mighty serpent which has a poison in its uh, mouth or in its fangs and uh, one little nip little bite from that a serpent is enough to knock out a mouse or a frog but that's just a little bit of the poison all of that is in the mouth of the serpent the cobra it doesn't affect the cobra at all it's the power of the cobra it's not a limitation for the cobra similarly maya is the power of god it's not a limitation for god with that power entirety of samsara is going on and for those who are ready for liberation that power alone god with that power alone grants liberation where is vedanta within maya or outside it within maya it has to be all the texts and the teachers and all the vedanta classes and ask swami uh, it is all enabled by maya it's not outside maya it is all within the realm of duality tulsidas it seems he said show me the teacher who can teach non duality without duality i will bow down to him impossible it is through maya that you go beyond maya so i am vivekananda said you cannot run away from the machine he means maya you cannot run away from the machine learn to work the machine it will set you free learn to work the machine that is with through um, maya itself the great buddhist philosopher 2000 years ago nagarjuna in the south of india he said that in his moola madhyamaka karika samvrittimanashritya paramartham nadigamyate without taking the help of the lower truth the higher truth cannot be attained we must admit that we are stuck in this position and we must start here and starting here means starting within maya without taking the help of maya no way of attaining brahman maya is that which occludes occludes means hides and also reveals brahman from brahman side there is no problem from our side we must go through maya now if you consider just i don't know if it's a good example but at least it's a, it has the merit of being an amusing example and you being a doctor can relate to it swami atmapriyananda ji uh, gave this example he said there are two ways a patient can get help in the hospital one is when the doctor comes on his or her rounds which is once in a while only because the doctor is a specialist and has so many things to deal with will come quickly and take a look at the and the nurse will give the report on the patient's under her care 
and uh, say that this is the problem and the doctor will make a few recommendations and you can seize that moment and appeal to the doctor this is my problem that is my problem and this is a pain i don't have that medicine this is a discomfort and the what what can the doctor the doctor do at most the doctor will say all right i'll tell the nurse to deal with it now the nurse is going to be annoyed with you because all of this is a complaint against her or you can do the other thing you can take help of the nurse you may say um, you know i am suffering this much this is my problem can you help me and the nurse will say all right my dear i'll take a look at it i'll i'll, I'll settle it for you <laughs> but if you complain to the doctor the nurse is going to be slightly annoyed with you i'll fix you wait let the doctor go <laughs> the doctor is going to come once a week only <laughs> i am always there so one good way is to take hold of Maya, Maya, of course, not in the Vedantic sense. Here, Maya refers to um, the Divine Mother. Take hold, get hold of Maya, to surrender to Maya, and Maya will help you out of samsara towards enlightenment. If you complain to Shiva, <laughs> at the most, Shiva will say, "I'll tell um, the Divine Mother to look into it." <laughs> that that's what Shiva can do. It's it's her uh, arena. So that was an example given by Swami Atmapriyananda. Yes. Next. Calvin from Toronto asks, "Why is it that self-inquiry does not take, and the inward turning that is supposed to directly reveal the self does not occur? For example, it is clear to me that logically I cannot be the body; it's an object to me, an inert physical mass, which I, while I am consciousness, intelligent and aware." Yet, however many times I repeat this inquiry, and notwithstanding being intellectually convinced, the feeling I am the body persists. At one level, I can provide my own answer. It is because the inquiry is only intellectual. But that begs the question: What is missing? What can I do to make that, to make what my intellectual intellect recognizes? as truth into living reality this is a good question and many people who seriously follow this path will come to this juncture at some time or the other kelvin you said from toronto yes all right first of all let me just remove a minor uh, let us say hiccup um and said that i understand the problem is is at least this much that it's a inquiry is intellectual inquiry um all inquiry is intellectual inquiry cannot be in the kidney it has to be in the intellect right it can't be in the intestines it can't be in the hand it can't be in my pocket it has to be in the in, it's a function of the intellect to inquire so vichara vedantic vichara uh, inquiry is intellectual now what you are saying is a major problem anyone on the path of knowledge will face this after some time it's not after some time you follow this path for some time it is not difficult to uh, see what is being said here it's a pretty clear uh, analysis and, and the logic is pretty clear but then comes the problem what next it doesn't seem to have helped me much i'm still stuck with literally feeling like this um the uh, and uh, in uh, uttarakhand in the, in the himalayas the uh, sadhus they use a hindi word for this um 
पचता नहीं है इन हिंदी दैट मीन्स इट्स नॉट डाइजेस्टेड द फूड हैज़ नॉट बिन डाइजेस्टेड सिमिलरली वेदांत हैज़ नॉट बिन डाइजेस्टेड वट ही यूज दर्ड ही यूज इज़ वेरी परसेप्टिव इट डज नॉट टेक इट शुड कैच एंड ट्रांसफॉर्म द फायर शुड ब्लेज फोर्थ आई एम स्ट्राइकिंग द मैच एवरी थिंग आई एम डूइंग इट राइट बट दैट स्पार्क इज नॉट कमिंग so what is the answer to this at two levels one is what the text say the text will tell you very precisely this stay with that what you call intellectual conviction stay with that and deepen it this is called the process of assimilation your your conviction already is i am pure consciousness so aham i am he or i am that that pure consciousness i am swami vivekananda says stay with it tell yourself that again tell yourself not in the sense of brainwashing it's it's staying with something you have understood so stay with it tell yourself again and again i am that till he says till it tingles with every drop of your blood i mean it's it's a very visceral thing he's saying it's no longer just you will not feel that it's just intellectual it is intellectual it is emotional it's a storm in my life it is transformational till it becomes very vivid this is called nididhyasana vedantic uh, meditation vedantic meditation meant exactly for this once you know the teaching it is clear that is shravanam hearing the teaching or studying second not only is it clear you are convinced about it if anybody asks a question anywhere a question is raised you are ready to reply you know your your clarity is so so much is there even after that if this doubt comes then you have to stay with the clarity after all why will you not stay with it if you know something to be the truth why won't you stay with it if you know that this uh, feeling that i am the body this kind of a sensation unexamined complex of sensations uh, which makes me feel talk and behave and react to the world as the body it's a kind of unconscious inertia of past practices then all that you have to do is to decondition it start small make it a living feeling then act from it try it out once or twice you know you take out the car for a spin don't go straight on the freeway you're learning to drive learn in the driveway or in your parking lot and then you take the car out similarly uh, vedanta you try it out in small uh, you know where do you try it out whenever there are problems a little pain in the body a little uh, somebody misbehaves and you feel upset can i not feel upset can i know that i am the upset free <laughs> consciousness which reveals the upset and also the quick disappearance of that upset and that consciousness which never got upset it cannot be upset can i stay with that in little little challenges till it you can face bigger challenges and very soon you will see it's a living reality for you try it out don't give up that conviction you have got what you're calling that intellectual conviction that is clarity that is conviction stay with it and see where the resistance is coming that resistance is an opportunity there are it's basically programming from the past nothing more than that nothing to be scared of stay with the new light which has come one sadhu in in the himalayas he would say very nicely prapt sach ka aadar kare that which you have already realized and understood give value to that we keep seeking more sophisticated philosophies more sophisticated practices but what you have got is enough already to set you free from samsara give value to that this sadhu he had little little like epigrams in hindi 
वैल्यू वॉट यू हैव ऑलरेडी गॉट इन स्पिरिचुअल लाइफ प्राप्त सब सत्य का असच का आदर करें दैट इज रिस्पेक्ट द ट्रूथ विच यू हैव ऑलरेडी गॉट अनदर टाइम ही वुड से अपना सच्चाई को स्वीकार करना बहुत बड़ा गुण है टू टू रिकग्नाइज एंड एक्सेप्ट वंस ओन रियलिटी इज अ वेरी ग्रेट क्वालिटी ऑल आई एम ब्रह्मन ऑल ऑफ दैट इज फाइन बट राइट नाउ माई माइंड द लेवल ऑफ माई एथिक्स मॉरल्स माई सिचुएशन इन लाइफ इज फार बिलो दैट आइडियल एंड आई एक्सेप्ट इट मेंटली आई डोंट टेल एनीबडी एल्स देन आई कैन मेक प्रोग्रेस I know I am that infinite existence consciousness there's nothing to be upset about and you need to start making a change yeah so st- stick with that that's first first uh, that is the recommendation given by any vedantic teacher but i'll give you some advice and again remember this is not just for uh, not just for calvin. calvin from toronto not just for him these questions come to different people across the world depending upon the kind of thinking you have got or the circumstances in life you face so they are common questions are common to many people that answer may benefit many others who have not asked the question similarly this is one question this answer i'm going to give now the second point the first point was vedantik nididhyasan you have got a clarity stick with that clarity stay with it again and again and again and face challenges in the world live with that you will see it will become a reality but then other one i'm giving is a more practical answer the sticking point is not knowledge the sticking point is also not vedantic meditation the sticking point for most of us is purity of mind is a more fundamental level of lack of preparation in spiritual life that is generally the condition of most of us then how do you deal with that the answer is a very powerful answer is you need help you need help from whom from ishwara from guru god will help you and the guru will help you you're lucky you are in toronto go to the vedanta society of toronto swami kripamayand ji is there talk with him see if you can get mantra diksha initiation into a mantra when you get the mantra you get uh, in the words of somebody earlier a piece like a piece of gold you get a piece of god i'm being half <laughs> half uh, humorous over here but it's like a capsule which is given to you it is the seed of god let us say it's called a god germ maybe that will germinate into the t- tree of god i'm being poetic here but uh, uh, initiation is very helpful in spiritual life mantra diksha very very helpful many of the problems which calvin is talking about you have to work from a different angle at it so the most powerful method i know is initiation into mantra ishta mantra a chosen deity mantra of that deity and method and the teachings about how to repeat the mantra and how to meditate and start working on that for few years at least you will see it will clear up you have already done the sort of the superstructure is sort of ready now the foundation has to be strengthened yes yes go on swarnindu swaha asks swami ji i am 30 and starting my career in academic teaching and research in the university in west bengal physical science is supposed to reveal the fundamental principle 
and the underlying reality of the universe. I have immense zeal to be able to contribute towards that end. Deep contemplation lately has put a seed of doubt in my mind. Since all the science and everything is under the domain of Maya, whether they are actually capable of revealing the truth about the ultimate reality or God, or do they, being under the domain of Maya, lead us to somewhere else rather than to the ultimate reality? The scriptures also classify science as paravidya, or lower knowledge, incapable of leading one to the ultimate truth or God. I would love to know your thoughts on this pranams. Aparavidya, uh, that is the lower knowledge. Um, it's a good question. And often uh, scientists, especially scientists so, who are in fundamental sciences like physics or mathematics, they become interested in spirituality. Uh, Vedanta, um, the philosophical side of Buddhism, they become interested. I've seen that. In fact, some of the um, latest works of well-known popularizers, scientists who also act as popularizers of science, Brian Green right here in, in Colombia, um, then um, Sean Carroll in Caltech, who wrote The Big Picture. Many of their books, their um, recent books, sort of the kind of final books they write, they are more philosophy than physics. <laughs> they are more metaphysics than physics, you see. Because they are interested. I think it's, it's the same uh, question, the different sides of it, which drives a person into physics and into spirituality. That's why many of the great physicists were also very spiritual people. They had this same fundamental question. What is the secret of the universe? Look at the question which starts um, Vedanta. In the Upanishads, the question which starts Vedanta, what is the quest? What is that by knowing which everything here is known? Mundaka Upanishad. Kasminno bhagavo vigyate sarvam idam vigyatam bhavati. What is that, sir, by knowing which everything here is known? It's a scientific question, actually. It's the counterpart of the question, you know, the drive for the grand unified theory. One thing to explain everything. So, one, is un one understands that the... Uh, at least those working in physical sciences, not necessarily, but many of them do have a spiritual quest, which a quest which a Vedantin would recognize, that yes. Now, can one approach um, the ultimate reality, Brahman, through science? If not, why not? If yes, how? And is um, the pursuit of science a distraction? from attaining the knowledge of the ultimate reality. So I'll answer these questions quickly. Can one attain the ultimate reality through a, pers a pursuit of, um, uh, of science, physics for example, or mathematics? Um, if yes, let me say first of all, no. Why not? The classical Vedantic answer would be that um, you are studying that which is not the self. You're studying the universe, matter, energy, space, time, body. Even if you could study the mind, uh, that's the limit of science. Especially physical science, if you say the limit would be the brain, for example. Beyond that, you don't study, you cannot study anything. So it will never take you to the real self. And the real self can only be attained or realized by study of the um, 
the Upanishads and Vedanta which point out to you something which you have to intuitively grasp within yourself through Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana. Uh, systematically studying the Vedanta under a competent teacher, uh, reasoning about it and then meditating upon your... Con- like Calvin says, he has got a logical conclusion, um, logical conviction about it. Then meditating, staying with it, immersing yourself in it. That will give you the breakthrough and you realize you are Brahman. A course in physics won't do that. That's why I remember meeting this gentleman who was a physicist. He was... Uh, uh, dismayed, he had met a modern, uh, great, well-known and uh, very reputed modern teacher of uh, Advaita Vedanta, who had asked him, what do you do? And this gentleman said, I study, I am a researcher in physics. And this master told him that, oh, that's all within Maya, forget it, come here, I will uh, teach you about the ultimate reality or, or Brahman. Now, this is a little dismaying for that gentleman because then uh, it puts a big question over his whole quest. Or at the very least, it bifurcates the two. Uh, Search for ultimate reality, that is Vedanta's province, and what I do for my living, my lifetime, uh, that is something which is lower within the realm of illusion and so on. Now, this is the answer from the classical perspective. And I also generally agree with it, but, but, that's not the end of the story. Um, I was corrected by a friend of mine who is one of India's leading mathematicians and a monk. So when I told him this classical pers- uh, non-dualistic perspective, classical Vedantic perspective on the pursuit of modern science, for example, with in relation to the realization of, uh, of the Vedantic truth. Uh, so when I said, it can't be done. Because this just studies something within the domain of Maya and that is beyond uh, Maya. But then he told me something very obvious. It should be obvious. He said, why not? What will take you to to that realization? Vedanta, right? Isn't that also within the domain of Maya? If one quest, one system of knowledge within the domain of Maya can point to something beyond Maya, why not another? All you need is the quest and you keep at it. You, well, it's quite possible. He's not saying that it will take you to the realization of I am Brahman, but uh, why is it impossible? It should be possible. And that is also the view of, for example, Swami Vivekananda. We know in this city, in fact, in the Vedanta society, you would uh, have, uh, I've seen the old records, who's attending the classes, Swami Abhidananda is speaking, Nikola Tesla. Tesla is coming to the class and listening to the talks. Why is he, why did he become interested in Vedanta? It goes back to Swami Vivekananda, whose talks Tesla had heard first in the World Parliament of Religions in Chicago. Tesla would actually shut down his pavilion. He had a pavilion on electricity at the World Parliament in the exposition there. He would shut down the pavilion, come and wait for Swami Vivekananda's talk. He would stand at the back of the uh, hall, listen to Swamiji's talks and then leave immediately afterwards. And Swamiji, Swami Vivekananda struck up a friendship with Tesla. If you see the correspondence, there's actually a correspondence between Tesla and Swami Vivekananda. And Swami Vivekananda felt, Tesla said, he, w- he would uh, be able to demonstrate the cosmological um, principles of Sankhya using modern science and mathematics. I don't think anything came of it because uh, physics and mathematics at that time le- uh, were not developed to the level with what it is now. I'm sure Swami Vivekananda would be very interested in what is going on in uh, in uh, physics and mathematics today and 
Not that it's exactly what Vedanta is saying. That would be too cheap. We still have to work at it to see how they can complement each other or they can point in the same direction. So, um, this is the second answer. Yes, the pursuit of uh, modern science, physics, can physics, mathematics, and why just limit to physics and mathematics? Why not the life sciences, especially consciousness studies? Why can it not lead to Vedantic conclusions? It can, and there are a lot of work being done in that, in that respect now. Then, the last question is, so is my general study of uh, physics, is doing research, is it a distraction? Will it take me away from the realization, uh, the Vedantic realization? Um, I would say no. Is it a useless pursuit? No. Even if you say it is within the realm of Maya, it still is a scientific investigation into the transactional world, this Vavaharika world. And any number of details, any number of, uh, you know, like a deeper understanding of what's going on in this world, it's welcome. What you are doing is always useful and, and helpful. It should, it's not uh, to be dismissed. So, it is a helpful pursuit. But will it lead to uh, spiritual realization? Here, Sister Nivedita says that Swami Vivekananda told us, she writes in the introduction to the complete works of Swami Vivekananda, she, Swami Vivekananda told us, art, science and religion are but three ways to the same realization. But you need Vedanta to understand this. What you are trying to accomplish through Vedanta also can be accomplished through art and science. It's a, it's a new and radically, radically new way, a very Vivekananda way of looking at, a fresh look at spirituality in this modern world. It can be done. So Vivekananda was convinced. It's not a vain pursuit. But it also must be consciously done. That uh, If my purpose in uh, doing physics is to become the head of the department and publish a few papers, then that's it, that's the limit. But if I have an inner quest to find out what is true ultimately. So yes, most valuable and worthwhile and should be pursued. We live in the age of science. It is, uh, notice, with the classical teachers of Vedanta, I am fully with them in this much, that Vedanta stands on its own legs, on its own glory. Uh, it was true and valid long before the age of modern science. It continues to be true and valid in the age of modern science without any help from modern science. I will be as clear as that. But we are also in the age of modern science. We must be people of our age, not people of the classical age. Of, just as they were true to their own, own uh, uh, environment and civilization, we also must be true to what, what is true here, what we have found out. Uh, it's a glorious age to be alive in. So, so this idea of um, matching and reconciling and assimilating science and Vedanta, it's a good project. Um, though many traditionalists might be opposed to it. Okay. Right. Abhay Kulkarni asks, In one of your talks, you have used the analogy of a child going to a movie theater to watch a movie. The father is trying to explain to the child what a movie screen is. But wherever he points, there is only the movie playing. I think the analogy is to explain Brahman as the substratum of everything. But I was wondering, if the movie projector is turned off, 
you can see the screen. So if we turn off the world using Raja Yoga and Patanjali Yoga Sutra techniques, wouldn't we all witness ourselves as Brahman? If this is the case, why is Raja Yoga not superior than Jnana Yoga? Isn't experiencing something better than having the knowledge of something? Alright. So this is a good argument for Samadhi, for Raja Yoga. What is the argument here? What does Raja Yoga do? It says, Samadhi Chitta Vritti Nirodha. That's the second sutra. When you all the vrittis of the mind cease, that is called samadhi. And notice a lot is involved there. Because the entire universe, as he says, switching up the entire universe, the entire universe to us, to experience the universe, ultimately it must come in the form of vrittis in the mind. You, you must either see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it, think about it, understand it, remember it. Uh, this is how we experience the universe. Just that the universe exists is not enough. It must enter into our minds. The moment it enters into our minds, what do you, what do you mean entering in our minds? Our minds have thoughts about it. When those thoughts cease, you will not experience anything. When you do not experience anything, anything, I mean the word very carefully, um, anything, then no thing is experienced. Then what happens? Tada drashtu swarupi avasthanam. Then the witness consciousness remains in its real nature. When the mind ceases to, to you know, have break out into waves. And Swami Vivekananda gives a very nice explanation of a lake, a placid lake. When there are no ripples on the surface of the lake and the water is very clear. Two things are necessary. The water must be clear, not muddy. And the wave must, the lake must be without any waves or ripples. In this very place, it just imagine like glass-like water, so clear and transparent. You can see straight through to the bottom of the lake. Similarly, the witness of the mind becomes very evident when consciously, by deliberate effort, the mind is stilled for a while. So what? Then you realize, I am not the mind. After you come, realize means after the mind starts working again. Oh, what was that I saw? During that mind is still, you cannot have any particular realization because just consciousness is there, witnessing the silent mind. You realize, oh, I am the consciousness quite apart from the functioning of the mind. This is what the gentleman is saying that. So if you can get this kind of an experience that reveals to you, I am the witness consciousness. Oh, isn't this superior to just saying that there is the body and the mind and beyond the body and mind is witness consciousness and you are that? That sounds kind of theoretical, you know, like a classroom lecture or something like that. And here is the direct experience. First of all, if that's the way it seems to you, you're most welcome. You're right. There's nothing wrong in it. But that also is predicated on a slight misunderstanding, subtle but deep misunderstanding of Advaita Vedanta. It's not like he says, a battle between experience and knowledge. Here by knowledge he means something written in a book, heard in a lecture, demonstrated on a blackboard. That's knowledge. And I vividly see myself as pure consciousness. That is experience. No, this is a false dichotomy. It's a false distinction. Vedanta is experienced through and through. Just as seeing the movie is an experience. Seeing the screen is also an experience. 
the idea that I see the screen when the movie is switched off, it's a false idea. Why? Because you are seeing the screen when the movie is playing also. I need to switch off the movie to see the screen is based on a false idea of what the screen is. When it is covered with pictures, the pictures are insubstantial. They are nothing other than the screen itself. That understanding must go. Then with eyes open and eyes closed, you will realize it's Brahman. If Brahman is limited to seeing it in Samadhi, one sadhu put it nicely. Lo, apne pyare ko samadhi ke jail khane mein band kar diya. You have put your beloved Lord in the jail of samadhi. You have locked him up. Only when you go into that, into prison, prison visit. <laughs> there you find God. In the jail, in the prison of samadhi. Outside it, no God. It's always there. And that is what Vedanta reveals to you. Now immediately I can understand the thought pattern of this person and then and immediately one might say, oh I'm not saying that it is available only in uh, Samadhi, it's available elsewhere also but it's easier to recognize it in Samadhi and once you have recognized it you will see it, uh, you will understand it outside Samadhi also. Um, although the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, the next Sutra itself says, Vritti Sarupyam Itaratra when the mind is active, the pure consciousness is mixed up with the movements of the mind. It should, it means as if mixed up with the movements of the mind. The consciousness never becomes the mind. Um, so the final point here would be, this is a point raised by Madhusudan Saraswati in his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. He says, there are these two ways of appreciating, of of. Uh, realizing that ultimate reality that I am Brahman one he says is the way of Samadhi the yogic meditation way the other is the Vedantic way he calls it the Vedic way the, the way of yogic meditation of plunging yourself into Samadhi and literally as like he says switching up the movie he says that erasing the experience of the world he says Madhusudan <laughs> Saraswati that is the only way for the followers of Sankhya and Yoga who consider the world to be real. Real means real by itself. Then you must appreciate yourself as pure consciousness apart from the real world. And apart from the real world means you need to shut down your experience of the real world. Then you realize yourself as pure consciousness. That's true only when the world is a real something else. Apart from, the, uh, apart from you, the consciousness. But Vedanta does not say that. Vedanta leads you first of all to appreciate the world of diversity which you see outside is not outside. This inside-outside is not there in consciousness. Inside-outside is the body's feeling. Inside-outside is a kind of idea in the mind. But mind, body, inside-outside all are in consciousness. It's only in and through consciousness that we have these ideas of inside and outside. Mind and ex mind independent reality in consciousness only. If that can be, it's a subtle point, but if that can be appreciated, then the argument for yogic samadhi falls apart. Madhusudan Saraswati there says, many people miss that point. He makes it very clear. For the followers of Advaita Vedanta, Vedantic way, where the world is an appearance in consciousness, there is no need to practice yogic meditation separately, samadhi separately, for attainment of knowledge. And then he says, therefore our revered master, he means Shankaracharya, 
therefore our revered master has in no place ever recommended samadhi now footnote to this so samadhi yogic samadhi is not useful for advaitins no that is also not true it is useful which is useful for a different purpose not for enlightenment or realization it is useful for what calvin said from toronto for driving in that realization making it a living reality overcoming the past conditioning nidid dhyasana technically speaking nidid dhyasana vedantic meditation leading to samadhi also the purpose of that would be to overcome the problem called viparita bhavana contrary tendencies and uh, you know ingrained patterns of behavior immerse yourself in what you have already realized not waiting for samadhi to realize it you have already realized it by vedantic enquiry what is vedantic enquiry like shravana manana you have already realized it you have already got conviction and clarity now stay with it and there yogic samadhi is one powerful one of the powerful ways in which you can immerse yourself in already gained realization do advaitins practice yogic samadhi certainly you'll see in the lives of many great uh, non dualist masters they practice very deep samadhi and again and again but the purpose is different good so we have had a very nice set of questions i pray to the lord to bless all of us with insight with purity of mind with strength of mind with peace of mind may our lives become a blessing to ourselves and to all those around us om shanti 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 hari om tat sat shri ram krishna arpanamas